Over these last months, we've been in the book of Exodus. We're actually not going to be there tonight. But uh, one of the emphases that we have seen was the importance of the next generation and uh, the importance of God's blessing upon each generation. In fact, when the Lord revealed His glory to Moses after the awful situation there with the golden calf and and uh, the intercession on the part of Moses, we um, read in uh, Exodus 34, verse 6, And the Lord passed before him and proclaimed, The Lord, the Lord, God, merciful and gracious, long-suffering and abundant in goodness and truth, keeping mercy for thousands, forgiving iniquity and transgression and sin, and that will by no means clear the guilty." visiting the iniquity of the fathers upon the children and upon the children's children unto the third and to the fourth generation. And Moses made haste and worshiped. Sobering declaration, isn't it? Sort of passed over that when we looked at that passage from Exodus chapter 34. But God keeps his word when we do follow him and we follow biblical principles in the midst of a Difficult time, any time in history has been just filled with it because we live in a world that the unregenerate world is controlled by Satan himself and he's very powerful. And so it's always been difficult. But when God's people walk with God and will follow the word of God, it is glorious that instead of visiting the iniquity from generation to generation, you have the blessing of God passing on from one generation to the next. And I want to look at just one simple lady who chose to believe God in her distress, and because of her looking to the Lord, God uh, used her son to bless that generation and, frankly, has uh, blessed all of us. 1 Samuel chapter 1, if you'll turn there with me, 1 Samuel chapter 1. There's the story of uh, why there is a statue in New England, and Wishton Wish is the name of a valley in which the old Puritans settled, and uh, the wept one was stolen by the Native Americans from her parents, um, and she scarcely was out of her infancy. She was into her uh, preschool years. After living many years uh, with those people, she shared their enmity against the white folk people. She would, knew how to carry the bow. She knew uh, how to use the scalping knife. <laughs> and, uh, but she was taken captive, and they found out who she was, and they brought her home to her parents, but she did not know them. And, uh, and so they're trying to take this one that was truly of the tribe that she was from as far as her whole thought process and background, and they were wondering whether they would be able to reach her. But one night, the mother began to sing the song she had sung to her little girl uh, night after night when she was a baby and when she was getting a little bit older. And the minute she did that, the little girl was filled with wonder. And the song opened up a cascade of memories of forgotten days. And that little remembrance opened the door of her heart to be able to begin to develop a relationship with her real parents. Believe me, folks, there is power given to parents in the molding and shaping of their children. 
You need to understand that we are made in the image of God, and our children are made in the image of God, and we are the tools of the Lord to, in this world that is now fallen and Satan is in control, he is the God of this world, the parents stand in the stead of God during the years of development of a child so that that child comes to know the Lord and that child begins to walk with God and develop their own relationship. But it is the parent that stands between a godless world and the child and directs that child who naturally would go the way of the world, directs that child to the Lord. And it's a tremendously important role as we, as we all know. You think of the impact that women have had on their children. Uh, you think of the mother of Moses, just those few years before he went to live in the court of Pharaoh, and yet he was a man of faith, um, just an amazing thing. Uh, you think of uh, the uh, uh, impact that I believe the, uh, the family of Josiah had and the mother that I believe was responsible in that, that whole uh, family of rearing the uh, Daniel and those uh, and his friends and the impact that she and other women had I think is, is speaks uh, loudly there. And then you have of course Athaliah who was the wife of Jehoram who was the daughter of Ahab and uh, who was her mother? Jezebel, she learned well from her. And she was the mother of Ahaziah. In fact, 2 Chronicles 22.3 says, He also walked in the ways of the house of Ahab, for his mother was his counselor to do wickedly. Now, it's hard to imagine that, but folks, let me just say, we need to pray for our culture today because many women today, instead of having the natural motherly uh, heart, actually are... Uh, counselors by what they view, how they live, what they bring into their home, the lifestyle they live. They are their counselors to the children in those early years to do evil. Charles the Ninth of France uh, had very had a very sensitive spirit, wanted to do what was right. But the demon that tempted him to do what he did to the Huguenots was his mother. She's the one who got him to massacre the Huguenots, but he, when she first suggested it, he recoiled in horror and said, no, no, madame, they are my loyal subjects. That was the critical hour of his life. And, uh, and unfortunately, because of her pressure, uh, he allowed that to happen, and frankly, it drove him crazy the rest of his life. So it is very important for us to realize that we do have an enormous impact. It's God's plan. God knows that our children have come up in a wicked world all the way from Adam down to where we are now. And we can claim God's blessing if we will follow uh, the leadership of the Lord. So we're going to look just for a few moments here at the, the life of Hannah a very unusual situation that she was in. And so let me begin uh, reading at verse 
5. Well, let's actually go back to verse 4. And when the time was that Elkanah offered, he gave to Penina his wife and to all her sons and her daughters portions. But unto Hannah he gave a worthy portion, for he loved Hannah, but the Lord had shut up her womb. God had allowed Hannah to suffer here that would cause her to draw closer to the Lord. By the way, folks, these different trials that we have, we know that we're to count them all joy, but this was the deepest trial that a woman in Israel could go through, especially in ancient days. And, um, and so she uh, could not bear a child, and therefore I believe that she sought the Lord. And, and let me just say, as parents, God is constantly shaping our lives. He's shaping them, first of all, for us to glorify Him and for us to serve Him. But if we have children in our home, don't be surprised when trials come along because He constantly is wanting the best for us and He's wanting to strengthen us so that we can um, give more to our children. They can see God working in our lives. They can see our responses. They can sense the depth of our heart. And I believe that's what happened uh, to Hannah. And so the first point here that really makes a difference in rearing children is a loving marriage. Now this was accomplished by the fulfillment of the role here of both of them, but especially you'll see the husband. Now my theory is that uh, Elkanah married Hannah. And, uh, and that was the way they probably intended it. Why did he have the second wife? Well, Hannah did not have a child. And in those days, that was, that was everything. You had to have a next generation. God, of course, was totally opposed to this and what trial this brought into the home and tension. Uh, but I believe that the wife of uh, Elkanah's youth was Hannah. And let me just say this, that uh, we need to have uh, just an understanding of what ladies go through even in our modern day not to, to be able to bear children. That is not an easy situation. And we need to, this is a good instruction for us here to understand the turmoil uh, and, and yet how God can use that in a life of a woman. But it's a very sacred, very sensitive, very difficult and any of you ladies have been in that situation, God has something very special for you. But clearly we see here as a representation of what a trial that is. And so uh, it was a, a, um, a very major thing. And even according to the law, Deuteron Deuteronomy 7, uh, 14, that's speaking in the context of the blessings that will come to Israel if they serve the Lord, and thou, in verse 14, thou shalt be blessed above all women. There shalt, shall not be male or female barren among you or among your cattle. So, to not have a child uh, was something that was an enigma. It was actually a seeming curse upon uh, her and her husband. And yes, he married the second woman, but he clearly did not respond negatively to Hannah. 
and we well, read the verse there, verse 5, that he gave unto Hannah a worthy portion as though she was the one that had given the children to him. And the reason was that he loved her. <coughs> and uh, that love was part of the role. A husband is to love his wife as Christ loved the church. And it's very important to understand that. And uh, Hannah, of course, was wanting to support and encourage her husband and wanted a child very badly, realizing that that would bring blessing upon the family. And so you have here a couple that was functioning properly in the midst of a difficult situation because God's plan was not to have uh, two wives. But a loving marriage, folks, is the number one child-rearing principle. In the atmosphere of a home in which the parents love the Lord and they truly and obviously one another, love one another, where the husband puts his wife first, where the wife supports her husband, has the heart of her husband, <clears throat> that has a dramatic impact upon the children. And then when you have a good loving marriage, it also develops confidence in parenting. A husband-wife relationship is vital in giving one another the confidence to uh, do what is needed for a child. Where do you learn to really communicate? Certainly from the family that you were in, but when you learn to communicate and work through issues in, hu in the husband-wife relationship, you're going to be fully prepared then to learn how to communicate, respect, and be able to develop your children that way. When you're given to meeting one another's needs and wanting to see the best for your uh, spouse and God is conquering your selfishness and your, you know, your own way and, and uh, your lack of uh, willingness to submit to the roles that God has given to you, uh, when, when that uh, occurs, then you are going to have a much better ability by the grace of God to then be selfless in working with your children. So it's very important. Also for children, uh, it gives great security. I've mentioned in my parenting classes, but it, it, it never, it never. I think I mentioned this just recently, but uh, it always is amazing uh, whenever I, uh, it was when my wife and I would hug and kiss each other with some of the children around. It wasn't private very long. You had them hugging you all around, you know, and that was always uh, very interesting. Now it's a little frustrating because now when I kiss and hug my wife, uh, Charles, the dog, comes jumping on us. Uh, I don't know where that fits into Scripture, but anyway, uh, it's, uh, it, is, uh, it is very frustrating. I think he, he possesses, that's, that's mine, so don't you let her go. But anyway, uh, but there is great security that comes uh, when there is a solid relationship between parents. There's a sense of purpose because when you are close in your marriage, God's going to reveal to you the, the giftings that you have. He is going to, to give you a sense of vision for your lives as a couple. And God's going to bring divine opportunities to you. And as you work together as a team within the local church, then what that does is that gives a sense of purpose with your children 
and, and you realize how important they are for the cause of Christ, and they get it. They see mom and dad loving one another. They see mom and dad uh, just confident uh, in their relationship, and they see mom and dad living for God, and it clicks in their minds, this is what life is all about. And so a loving marriage is very key. And I think this is very interesting here um, that uh, this allowed uh, both of the parents here to be able to do what was needed in those early years of Samuel's life uh, to be able to see him go on for the Lord. Secondly, uh, there was a biblical purpose uh, that was clearly especially from Hannah's heart here and 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 encouraged by her husband. If you'll look with me at uh, verse 9, they had gone for the yearly sacrifice to Shiloh where the tabernacle was located at that time. And you read in verse 9, so Hannah rose up after they had eaten in Shiloh and after they had drunk. Now Eli the priest sat upon a seat by the post of the temple of the Lord. And she was in bitterness of soul and prayed unto the Lord and wept sore. And she vowed a vow and said, O Lord of hosts, if thou wilt indeed look on the affliction of thine handmaid and remember me and not forget thine handmaid, but wilt give me, give unto thine handmaid a man child, then I will give him unto the Lord all the days of his life and there shall no razor come upon his head. She was so intense, you read in verse 12, and it came to pass as she continued praying before the Lord that Eli marked her mouth and he comes up to her thinking that she was drunken. She was so intense on this prayer. And this prayer really shows her dedication to the Lord. In other words, it wasn't just, I want to be an encouragement to my husband, I don't, uh, which was a very appropriate uh, burden, but she also uh, had a bigger vision. I will allow him to be a Nazarite. And if you look at the law, this was one who was given solely for the service of the Lord, dedicated and separated to the Lord. In many ways, the spirit of a Nazarite, not in what they did and didn't do, but in their full dedication to God, is the kind of spirit we ought to have for our children. And let me just say this, God has different callings for our children. He has different aspects. But in our day, I think every one of us should expect that our children are going to be world changers and that God wants them to be mighty servants of the Lord. And I think the vast majority will serve the Lord with their full lives in what they do. I'm telling you, we need all around our country and around the world servants of the Lord totally committed to, to the Lord. And out of churches like this, with parents that are serious about parenting, that ought to be our heart cry. Lord, separate my child unto you and do what you want with him. That's not there. My dad used to, in fact, my dad and mom prayed uh, before all of us were born. And then when we were born, Lord, if our children do not serve you fully, then Lord, take them. My dad told me that. It was a good motivation to do right because <laughs> my dad got answers to prayer. And, um, but I, it, well, it, wasn't, it wasn't a wrong kind of thing. It just, we've, you know, we prayed. My mother had at least four, maybe five miscarriages and five children. And my dad often said, God picked the five that he wanted to serve the Lord. 
And all of you are, are given over to the Lord and separated unto him. And we had that sense of destiny in our minds, every one of us. And I think that's very important. But she understood this through prayer. We've already read there of that prayer. This prayer reveals uh, her conscious, intimate relationship with God. And uh, she was praying to the Lord uh, in a very personal way. It was in her heart, which shows you she knew how to pray. And uh, she just laid it out before the Lord and uh, very clear, you don't pray like this without having prayed uh, that way uh, over and over. And, uh, and so I cannot emphasize enough when it comes to seeing God work uh, in our children, next to the matter of a loving marriage is the matter of having a biblical purpose that is gained uh, and understood through prayer. Mom and dad, the most important thing you can do for your children is to spend an extended time every day with God, be right with God, understand his heart, let him speak to you, worship him, let him show you uh, as you open up your life to him where your needs are. And I'm telling you, God can change you and work in you and then give you what you need to rear each one of your children, which are going to be uniquely different. Uh, I honestly believe that the most uh, important thing that a parent can do, I think back in my own life, I look back to those intense times of prayer. And, and I, so many decisions that we made came out of those prayer times. They were absolutely vital. And God will give you wisdom. We quote very often James 1.5, But if any man lack wisdom, let him ask of God, who giveth to all men liberally, and abradeth not, and it shall be given him. And I'm telling you, with some of your kids, you need real wisdom. <laughs> uh, when they're not like you at all, and they're not like your wife or husband at all. They're like Uncle Hubert or uh, Aunt uh, whoever uh, out there. I mean, don't know where they came from. And uh, God will give you wisdom. And it, it's, a, it's amazing. And, and God gave her wisdom about what to pray. Uh, it's very important. The, uh, I love the stories. I gave you one a week ago, but I love the stories of folks that were impacted by their parents' prayers. One said, once I suddenly opened the door of my mother's room and saw her on her knees beside her chair and heard her speak my name, in prayer, I quickly and quietly withdrew with a feeling of awe and reverence in my heart. Soon I went away from home to school, then to college, then into life's sterner duties. But I never forgot that one glimpse of my mother at prayer, nor the one word, my name, which I heard her utter. Well did I know what I had seen that day was but a glimpse of what was going on every day in that sacred closet of prayer. And the consciousness strengthened me thousands of times in duty, in danger and struggle. When death came at length and sealed those lips, the sorest sense of loss that I felt was the knowledge that no more would my mother be praying for me. There is no other than a, just a very close marriage, nothing more impacting than to know that your parents pray. And, um, and again, I could, I could echo this. I came in on my mother. I came in on my dad. Um, 
One, uh, one time it was a key time in, in my life, and God did a work in my heart. And my mother said, I probably shouldn't mention this, but it's so sacred. But he, she said, it's no accident God did that work. Your dad stayed up all night and pled with God for you. That's what makes the difference. God hears the prayer of a mother and a father. By the way, grandparents, he hears those prayers too. I walked into my grandmother praying. What a sense of awe I had uh, as I sensed the very presence of God there. And I knew that she prayed. And folks, we need to pray for one another. This is not a small item. It's not something you fit in. It ought to be the core center of your parenting because we need wisdom. We need the power of God. We need God to do what... Um, uh, what, uh, what man cannot do. And then she understood through Scripture. Um, and uh, she actually, this purpose there was, uh, had come through understanding the Scripture. But we, in more general terms, need to understand what is God's purpose for children right at the end of the Old Testament you have in days that were increasingly getting dark and it was going to be the end of, the, of uh, the Old Testament and there would be 400 years of silence before John the Baptist and then Jesus would come. But the Lord is very good in Malachi to give for those who love the Lord uh, clear direction on their lives. In Malachi 2.15, speaking of marriage and divorce, he says, And did not he make one? Yet had he the residue of the Spirit, and wherefore one? And here's why God gave that oneness in marriage that is to be a permanent marriage, that he might seek a godly seed. Therefore, take heed to your spirit, and let none deal treacherously against the wife of his youth. Well, I'm telling you, if you have any reason to see marriages work through and to stay steady and to be committed, it's because God will use the marriage for a godly seed. Folks, that's the only reason we have children. They are not to, to make us feel good, to make us proud. Uh, we certainly enjoy them. And the older they get, the greater it gets in, in the wonderful interaction that you have. But we've got to understand that, and I believe Hannah here and her husband understood this was a gift from God, this was a miracle of God, as every child is, and the purpose for those children are for um, them to be a godly seed. And by the way, let me say it strongly, no man or woman has the right to take a life of one that is to be a godly seed. Every child conceived, that is God's purpose for them. And uh, that we just seeing the importance of children in the light of what God says shows you the great sin of taking an unborn child's life. And it won't be long before we'll be preaching against infanticide, which is just around the corner. And then the importance, let me just add this uh, third thought here. We need to communicate this vision to our children. As we as married couples get a purpose for our life and for our children. As we, in prayer, God gives us a vision and we understand biblically what God wants for our children, that needs to be communicated very clearly uh, to our children uh, that uh, they have an understanding 
the way you build their self-image is not to be positive all the time, though we should be positive and encourage them, but let them know who they are in Christ. Let them understand how important they are to God and His purpose. Let them know how precious they are because Jesus died for them and He has an a absolutely glorious a plan that will have an impact for eternity. That must be communicated uh, to our children. And uh, I just love being with parents that talk about the vision that they've uh, had uh, for their children. I remember some years ago, uh, some of you may know Pastor Mark Shore. Anybody, does that name ring a bell? Some of you, I think you know what a godly, uh, wonderful Christian Mark Shore was and his dear wife. But Mark Shore's parents, we were out in Durango uh, visiting out there, my wife and I and some of our children. And... Uh, uh, the parents were still doing well at that time, and I just remember hearing them, and I think my wife was actually asking questions, if I remember correctly, and they were just talking about all uh, their vision for their children and how they communicated that with tears they were telling us, and it was just a very special time. And I've had that opportunity many times to hear from parents uh, how they endeavored to get across uh, to their children how important their lives were. And then she clearly had, and so did her husband Elkanah, have a sense of divine stewardship. Look with me now at verse 26. And she said, when she came to Eli, O my Lord, as I soul liveth, my Lord, I am the woman that stood by thee here praying unto the Lord. This was after the, um, the, the child had been weaned. For this child I prayed. This is, of course, Samuel. And the Lord hath given me my petition, which I ask of him. Therefore, also I have lent him to the Lord. As long as he liveth, he shall be lent to the Lord. And he worshiped the Lord there. She understood this child was not hers. And folks, one of the things that is so important, and I alluded to that this morning, but we must not... Uh, have that uh, emotional attachment uh, to a child, again, as I mentioned tonight, for our own self-gratification. Our children, just like everything we have, are given to us on loan from God. And we must, early on, before they're even born, we need to take our hands off, realize that we are to shape them, train them, develop them, give them a vision. We obviously have the warm relationship with them that will last for a lifetime. But uh, we must uh, very clearly realize that children are not to meet our personal needs. They are the Lord. Uh, this will cripple your discipline. If you're worried about them liking you, you won't do what needs to be done. You know, there's some times that your children are not real happy with the decisions that you made, but they're the right decisions. They'll praise you later for it, but not at the moment. If you are living for just that reinforcement from them of their lovey-dovey, uh, you're the greatest in the world stuff, um, that's going to wear thin. And uh, you will lose them if you do not do the difficult things of training them, making them finish the job, uh, as God gives you a burden about things that they need to learn, disciplines that they need to be involved in, uh, none of those things is their flesh-like. 
they're going to go as they develop their character. All of this is going to be through discipline, through training, being unswerving in working with them. And, but if you're about yourself, then it'd be very easy not to do what needs to be done. And so we cannot uh, desire to be accepted by the child. And we've got to be careful. There's a flip side to this, and that is to work with our children for, the, for them to succeed so we can look good. That will also uh, collapse on you. And so we have to be very careful about this. They are a stewardship. They are gods. They're given to us for this period of time in their lives. And what a joy we have to be with them. But they are gods. They are not ours. Now, they are our responsibility. From the world standpoint, yes, they are ours. But when it comes to gods, they are His. And let me ask you, parents, have you truly given your child to the Lord? Do you understand, as she said, uh, as he liveth, he shall be lent to the Lord. He's going to be given to the Lord. And uh, that, as Psalm 127.3, Lo, children are the heritage of the Lord. And the fruit of the womb is his reward. It's a wonderful thing. It's a blessed, but our children are his. And then children are to fulfill God's purpose. We've been coming at that on several uh, different perspectives. Uh, but uh, God wants us to have that as our focus. If we don't, then we're not going to do all needs to be done. Ephesians 6, 4, And ye fathers, provoke not your children to wrath, but bring them up in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. And that word, bring the, that phrase, bring them up, is actually paideia, uh, the Greek word. It's used also in Titus. We mentioned that uh, back a, a while back. Uh, from Titus uh, chapter 2. It's the whole development of a child, discipline, training, teaching, uh, reinforcement, love, all of that. Uh, fathers and, of course, mothers are to bring up children uh, in the Lord. And uh, that is so important for us and to have this kind of, of, uh, of heart. So let me just quickly finish out with uh, a thought here, lifetime development. This is intense training. Uh, she only had a short period of time, but the impact she had and the continued impact she had on her child caused there to be the great prophet Samuel. And did not Israel benefit from that man of God? And, uh, and so... Uh, intense training. We often quote Proverbs 22.6, train up a child in the way he should go, and when he is old, he will not depart from it. The idea of train up is to hedge them in on the road, keep them on the road, keep them on the road, keep them on the road, not off, don't let them veer off either way, keep them on the road. And as, as they're on the right road, God's able to bring them to salvation, God's able to bring them to dedication, God's able to begin to open their eyes. And as you, through your love, your discipline, your training, your development, uh, just every aspect of their life, keep them hedged in to the way that they should go. When they're old, guess what? To be on the same road. That's the way it works. This is not a promise, by the way, that, yeah, you know, just because we're Christians, they'll turn out. But let me say, for some parents here that may be struggling with some older children, uh, let me say that everything put in them is still there. And that's something you can really pray about. 
And let me say, your influence still should be to try to keep them on the way. You can't force them to uh, once they're up and out, but you can certainly live that way. Pray for them. You know, the best way to hedge in children when they're in your home and when they're out of your home is prayer. That's uh, an amazing, powerful reality. And so for those of you who have children in your home, how there needs to be in this training biblical protection. We live in a vile environment. It's worse, parents, than you know. Oftentimes, children today know more than their parents know. And they know how to get around things. And uh, he lived in a vile, uh, it's terrible. I don't even want to read in chapter 2. Uh, how vile it was. Uh, In verse 12, it does say, Now the sons of Eli were sons of Belial. They were worthless. They knew not the Lord. And they were involved in gross immorality right in the service of the Lord. It was horrible. They They were stealing from the offering of God. Eli was a weak leader, an undisciplined man. Uh, The whole thing, the nation of Israel was in a mess. And yet Samuel walked with God. And, uh, and God protected. But let me just say, we have, to, we have to protect. We protect by having a godly home and then by uh, expecting our children uh, to do certain things and not certain things. And I could spend an entire message today, folks, but you have in your hand as a parent the way to keep your children in a godly atmosphere on the way that they should go. And you are able, by the decisions you make and by loving them and helping them understand, you're able uh, to keep them with a uh, wholesomeness and a, a, um, uh, just a being separate from the things of the world and loving the things of God. That's why it's so important for children to be in church all the time and to be around God's people. And that's why, I tell you parents, you have got to be careful about technology. Like I said, I could preach an hour on this and wouldn't even begin to scratch the service. I, I, don't be naive, don't be naive, don't be naive. All I can say is you need to make every provision possible to keep your children from access to the, to the world. And believe me, a little bit of access will lead to inquisitiveness that will go down a world of, in, uh, go down uh, a pathway to some of the most vile things you can ever think of. And it'll be done in the secrecy of their life. And I'm telling you, Dad, you need to fight for that not to happen. And Mom, you've got a sense you know, and it's very important. Now, these children are our stewardship, and we must make the hard decisions. Our families do not have to be like the other families of the world. And frankly, they don't have to be like other Christian families either. As for me and my house, Joshua says, we're going to serve the Lord. And I don't know how many times my dad said, I know even the deacon's kids do this or that. But he said, not in this home. I love you too much. You're not going to hear that. You're not going to go there. You're not going to do that. And I got frustrated some, but I, my parents loved me so much, I just decided to trust them. I'm telling you, young people, don't get frustrated with your parents. It's not easy for them in this world to draw those lines. It's not easy for them to say no. It's not easy for them to keep you out of certain things that could hurt, hurt you. 
But you need to thank God for every decision they make because when you get older, you don't have that baggage, you don't have that, that stuff in your mind and your heart. You're going to be forever grateful and your children are if the Lord tarries and your grandchildren. And, uh, and so mom and dad, I cannot urge you enough uh, to, uh, to really do what it takes to develop your children and to protect them. And it's, it's really wonderful to see uh, the heart here of, of Hannah. She praised the Lord, and we'll finish with this. And Hannah prayed and said, My heart rejoiceth in the Lord. Mine horn is exalted in the Lord. My mouth is enlarged over mine enemies because I rejoice in thy salvation. There is none holy as the Lord. We need to thank God for the privilege of having our children and having the power of his uh, wisdom and his direction to be able to rear them for the Lord. Folks, let's keep our children for God. They are his. And let's let God give us the same kind of heart that God gave Hannah.